My name is Tom Chick, and you are listening to the Quarter to Three Games Podcast, where this week, my game of the week is not uh, Peggle. And my game of the... Oh, I'm Jason McMaster, and uh, my game of the week is... Uh, yeah, you know, well, if we're gonna go with Popcat games, I, I'm, I'm, I'll have to go with Bejeweled. Master, that was some awesome seat of the pants flying. The skies were a little choppy. I could feel you sort of working your way through it, but you, you ended up bringing it in for a perfect three point landing. I'm mangling my metaphors, but yeah, well played. Thank you. Let's see. So this week, uh, fair amount of stuff to talk about, but before we get into that. Uh, there's a bit of an elephant in the room here at quarter to three that I, I want to address. Uh, I'll, I'd just like to say this and then move on. Uh, but, but basically, uh, some details have emerged about a sexual harassment suit directed at Star, Stardoc uh, by a former employee. Quarter to three, uh, this site got involved in that issue because the defendant in the suit, uh, the, the Stardoc CEO, Brad Wardell, uh, he posted on our message board details about what happened and what didn't happen and how he felt and how he responded. And naturally, all that, all of his comments are going to draw attention. So we've been linked to from other sites who are following the story and who are rightly interested in what Brad has to say. Now, unfortunately, this whole thing is a big, ugly mess all around. And in the interest of full disclosure, I, I've I should point out that I've had a working relationship with Stardock in which they've hired me to do some writing for them. Uh, and furthermore, more to the point, I consider Brad Wardell a personal friend. Uh, however, that said, based on the details of the case that I've seen, and I don't know any more than anybody else, uh, it seems that Brad was clumsy at best in terms of in interacting with this employee who filed the suit. And at worst, he was grossly inappropriate to the point of it being legally actionable. Now, I'm not a lawyer, but I'm, I'm guessing this is not going to go well for, for Brad or for Stardock. Uh, and regardless of my relationship with Brad and Stardock, uh, and from the disinterested perspective of a guy who likes good games, uh, I have to say that this is all very, very unfortunate because their upcoming release, Fallen Enchantress, is really, really good. And you don't need to take my word for that because Stardock has been doing their usual uh, glass bowl approach to its development. Uh, the various betas have been playable for anyone. I think anyone who owns Elemental or who's pre-ordered Fallen Enchantress, regardless, uh, it's easy to get your hands on the beta. And I encourage anyone who's curious to take a look at the latest beta. I think it's uh, beta 4. Uh, to see what they're doing. Uh, which, uh, in like the city development stuff in Fallen Enchantress, it's one of the coolest innovations I've seen in a 4X strategy game in a long time. So Fallen Enchantress has some great stuff going on. Uh, the the former the guy who did the Fall from Heaven mod for Civ 4 is their lead designer, Derek Paxton. He's doing some great work there. But the sad fact of the matter these days, uh, and you know what, I, I don't know about sad fact of the matter. The, the fact of the matter, sad or otherwise, is that the narrative about a game is sometimes not the actual game. Uh, recently, we saw this with Mass, Mass Effect 3, which was a colossal slap in the face to Electronic Arts, who had hoped to wrap up their Mass Effect trilogy with a critical and a commercial hit. And they got that, but the overall narrative, you know, the story of the game, the, the topic of conversation about it, uh, that was driven by fans who didn't like the ending. And so now Mass Effect 3 uh, is going to forever be the game with a bad ending. EA lost control of the message. 
Uh, and that's particularly surprising for a company that so often controls the message so carefully. Another example of this recently is how Ubisoft games are often about DRM, or how Fez is about Phil Fish, uh, one of the two guys who made it, saying Japanese games suck, or farther back, further back than that, how Shadow Complex was about Orson Scott Card opposing same-sex marriage. And now it, it looks like we're going to be adding in Stardox games, or at least Fallen Enchantress, uh, it looks like they are in danger of being games about sexual harassment, that that's going to drive the narrative. Uh, it's all very ugly, very messy, very unpleasant stuff, um, and, and more so than usual because it's all so personal. It's all so directed at an individual. And the schadenfreude here, that, that sense of happiness that someone else is suffering, is so squarely directed at an individual. Uh, you know, it's one thing to gloat when on live fails, or when Zynga's stock tanks, or when IGN asserts that squid aren't animals. Uh, but it's something else entirely to pile onto this ugly he said, she said mess with glee. So the best thing I can say about all of this, my, my highest hope for it, is that it's quickly resolved in a court of law where it belongs, and that people can talk about Fallen Enchantress as the great game that it is without talking about sexual harassment. So there we go. All right, that said, oh, you know what, McMaster? That was my news of the week. Oh, man. <laughs> what do you have to top that? Jeez. That's a tough one to follow. That's, uh, that's a really tough one to follow. Um, well... Yeah, see, see. <laughs> yeah, you really you you caught me off guard, Tom. Did you even have news of the week? Because I know you and I have been very preoccupied with a certain thing that we'll get to in a moment. You know, I think I did at one point, and I just completely blanked. But there's quite possible that uh, I didn't. Uh, I mean, the only things I can think. You know, I did want to say that uh, the new uh, the new Secret World with uh, Peter Stamari is coming out pretty soon. Uh, for those who aren't playing Gilbert, you know, him as a voice is like, what is it, a uh, plastic surgeon? It's episode three, I believe, two. Yeah. They're calling them, or issues, they're calling them issues, like comic books, which is a very clever conceit. Yes. Uh, when, when does that do, McMaster? When can we hear the dulcet tones of Peter Stormari in Secret World? Uh, pretty soon. Uh, let's see. Uh, have they even announced it? Uh, because they don't, uh, they, they said it's monthly. Um, but I don't right, they've been on a pretty that. monthly schedule, yeah. And I seem to recall the first uh, issue came out at the end of a month, so I don't know. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. So soon, Peter Stormari and Secret World. McMaster, you're going to be playing Secret World again? No, probably not. Nothing, nothing personal, guys. I, yeah, I really I, like it. I like the game. I just, uh, yeah. Sounds like your hands are full, McMaster. Oh my god. Yeah, between trying to like freelance program and keep up with the. The chicks and horn bossels of Guild Wars 2 is not the easiest thing to do. Well, let's get into that in a moment. Uh, but first, you know, we, we talked about uh, Guild Wars all last week. Uh, rather than just do that again this week, uh, let's talk about some other games first. So all right. uh, let's go to, to Games of the Week. I'm sure we've got a lot to say. So here we go. We're now going to open up the conversation to games that aren't Guild Wars 2. Here we go. Hmm. You know, I haven't even no. Hmm. Hmm. Well, there's uh, there's um, yeah. 
you could always you could talk about the um, the well the you know the yeah I yeah I got nothing. What about um, the iPad thing? Uh, you know, not other than just keeping up with my current turns. Not really. No. Um, hmm. Oh, oh, there's a. Uh, when did that? Uh, when did Diablo three come out? Wasn't that? Was that no, this? That was, was that, that last was, year? That was a few weeks ago. Yeah, there's that. There's a. Uh, Borderlands out? No. Hmm. No, no. We got another. What is it? Week and a half. Oh, here we go. Here we go, McMaster. I'm ready. I'm gonna review a game right now. All right. Uh, this is a new game I got from EA Sports. It's called uh, Null Thirteen, and it has really? on the cover. There's a man in. Um, he looks like a very bulky fellow. I don't know if he's just like overeating or he's got on these big thick gloves and he has on some kind of a hat with a visor and I think he's got a a staff like he's equipped with a staff. So Null Nil Nihol. I'm not sure how you pronounce this, but Nihol Thirteen. Coming out from EA. Let me read the back. Here we go. Every stride matters. Uh, blah, blah. Captures the speed, creativity, strategy of today's in the hole with revolutionary true performance shooting, uh, the definitive uh, hokey experience. Yeah, Xerox is probably grinding his teeth right now. I, I, I don't know. Uh, so Xerox, uh, Nahal 13, apparently very good. You might enjoy this definitive hokey experience from EA Sports. There we go. That's all I got to say about games that aren't Guild Wars 2. Let's let's open the floodgates, McMaster. All right. So you've been playing a lot of Guild Wars. Uh, yes. What, what level are you, McMaster? I'm 41. Oh, that's cute. That's adorable. How are you, Tom? Actually, you're catching up on me. I've got a 43. Three forty-four. Yeah, I think you're forty-three. Was the last I looked. <laughs> All right. So, have you changed your mind? Are you are you uh, are you slowing down? Are you are you soured on anything? Are you losing interest? Are you running out of steam? How's it going for you? Uh, you know, it's I'm not really running out of steam or losing interest. Uh, but man, the days do kind of kind of phase together after a while. Just uh, just wandering through Guild Wars 2, uh, killing everything I can see. I, I came across... Uh, so one of the things that it doesn't do that other MMOs do, and I can see some people maybe not liking this, but I really appreciate it, is it's not really breadcrumbing you around from place to place. You have your story quest, and uh, that's sort of your, your character's personal storyline. And yeah. uh, the designer, Eric Flanham, mentioned, and this perfectly made sense to me when he described it this way, but he mentioned the idea is that it plays like, a, like episodic TV. Like you have a few different arcs, and they string together. And I completely felt that way because I, I was playing through the story mission, and it seemed like it ended, and I got some kind of resolution. And I was like, oh, that's it. And then a new arc started. And, yeah. and these, these are based on things like your race and your class and your your choices for the answers that it asks you when you make your character. Um, yes. So that naturally is pulling you around different areas. But beyond that, you are mostly left to go where you want and do what you feel like doing, and, and there's none of the conspicuous breadcrumbing that most MMOs do to ensure that you get to a level-appropriate place. And I, I really like that. Uh, and part of what comes of this 
is that you can stumble across dynamic events. Uh, and and that's, yeah. that's literally what they are. They are events built into the game to be dynamic uh, that maybe other people won't always find, that, that sort of feel like your own. And when we had Chris Hornbossel on, I talked a bit about this sunken temple. Uh, I discovered one, uh, this was actually last night, where I was just messing around in, I think it's called the Harathi Highlands. Does that sound familiar? Yeah, uh, the Harathi Highlands is a human area, yes. And yeah, that's, uh, I saw you last night, in fact, in the Harathi Highlands. So, yeah, that's where you were. And, and it's, uh, it's the site of this. It's the site of the war between the humans and the centaurs. That's a sort of a, one mm -hmm. of the... Um, uh, I guess you could say themes on the map. Different areas on the map are characterized by different conflicts or events or or uh, settings or what have you. So the Harathi Highlands is where the humans and the centaurs are fighting. And I got caught up in this awesome chain of dynamic events that was basically the humans invading a series of, her, of centaur encampments and then pushing their way into the final base and killing the leader of the centaurs. And I'm sure it resets. And if I were to go back there now, you know, it could happen again. But while I was playing this and while it was accumulating more players as it went on, that these dynamic events have this amazing sort of snowball uh, sensibility where it starts out with like three or four people doing an event and then three or yeah. four more join and then before you know it you've got 20 and by the time this all culminated at this awesome battle where this lead centaur summons these three badass war beasts who you have to fight and then he jumps down into the fight and there's there's these crazy uh, magical winds blowing around that are that are knocking people down and uh by the time that happened, there, there were, I, I don't know, 60, 100 people? I don't know how many, but a crazy number of people. And it felt like I was suddenly playing a raid instance. And I, I wasn't. I was just mucking around in the open world, and I got I got wrapped up in a war. <laughs> uh, and it was it was absolutely amazing. And I, I love that a breadcrumb didn't take me there. You know, it wasn't something that I was directed to. It wasn't scripted to happen this way necessarily uh it was dynamic and i was part of it and it, it was incredibly thrilling in how it built up and resolved uh i am just i'm loving discovering stuff like that and and I, I think it you know as long as there's stuff like that in these new areas i can't see this running out of steam until i've plumbed every nook and cranny of guild wars 2 and there's a lot of it too i mean see that's what's so interesting about it is uh, one of the mechanics i think that really really helps is the uh, level changing uh, because if you weren't like uh, if you were to run through like the early levels of this game and you weren't like level balanced you would just destroy everything yep. Have, having to run through the and I'm not saying you're going to get awesome experience if you're level 60 and you're in like a level 1 zone or something but you will get experience and it won't just be a cakewalk um, it makes experience in the game and all of the game kind of a, more of a challenge and more of an adventure than just kind of a chore like you would have in World of Warcraft trying to find all the extra points. And it really does call into question this idea of, you know, when you're playing a game like this, should you just optimize your leveling speed and try to level as quickly as possible, or should you enjoy the content? And I feel here that the content is so enjoyable that I don't mind if I'm not optimizing my, my time. I don't mind you know, spending time trying to hunt down those vistas or do skill points oh, yeah, or, no. or, or do the underleveled stuff. You know? uh, I don't feel like this is something where I'm, I'm wasting my time if I'm not optimizing my experience rate, gathering rate. Oh, absolutely. And the, and the thing is, is the rewards you get, with the exception of certain areas that are tied to level, 
um, they scale pretty well uh, yeah. for your level. Um, now, uh, like I was saying, uh, based on you know your level and everything, I, I did a lot of leveling in the area called Cassex Hills, and um, there's kind of a chain of events that is really regular that goes through there and uh i would do three or four of those events and then go play around a bit and come back and do the events again because uh, they give good experience but you don't it doesn't scale so you can just sit there for your entire time like you can gain a few levels doing stuff like that but uh um that's one way i think they're trying to combat the whole botting thing which you've seen i've seen a lot of at least and describe um, what describe what botting is and what it looks like <laughs> it's kind of funny. Uh, well, botting in anything is just using a script to run your character around to get experience while you're not actually playing. So, um, in World of Warcraft, there's all these like really, really complex ones that make it look like you're playing the game, etc., and run all these routes. Well, so far, the only thing I've really seen in Guild Wars, and I've seen this several times now, is uh, there are some events that are pretty regular. Uh, it's almost like a, uh, kind of like a, a little story going on. There's like these these three to four events in Keswick Hills that all link, and um, it's always three of them. Sometimes the fourth one, but one of them, the start is always the same, and it's at this broken down bridge. Well, what you'll see is uh, in the event is a bunch of centaurs rush the bridge to try to repair it. So what you'll see is people standing on this bridge without. Any you know clothes on whatsoever, just swinging a weapon. So this is probably uh, a guild that uh, their whole shtick is that they don't wear gear. Don't you think maybe that's what's going on? Or or they don't like repair bills, and that would be my guess. Mm. <laughs> so but, that's um, that's yeah, what I, I ran into, and I think you were the one that explained it to me, McMaster. I was like, why are there three <laughs> naked people standing here doing this event? Uh, and they, by the way, I don't want to be racist, but the fact of the matter was. They all had Chinese names. <laughs> that is kind of strange. Yeah, I've seen that a bunch too. But it, it's it's really crazy because uh, the and the real problem is is that uh, they they reward you for resing people in game. So if these dudes get knocked out, most of the time people aren't going to think about it and just resurrect them. I'm uh, I'm guilty of having done that. Yeah, well, I've I've done it too. You know, you don't know if you see somebody laying on the ground, you have no earthly idea if they're you know whatever. So you just kind of res them, and then all of a sudden it's hey, I'm swinging my sword for the rest of the time. But if you see someone naked lying on the ground, that means that they've been killed so many times that their equipment is invalidated, it's not working, and you should leave them down there because anybody who is not repairing their equipment probably a bot, right? Or if they're not wearing it at all, just because that's probably what I would do. Every time you die, if oh, they just take it off. They just like right. strip. They strip down so nothing will get put damaged. In the right, right, and then they put their uh, attack on auto attack or do whatever botting stuff they do and just stand there. Oh, that's so annoying. Well, you can. Yeah. Uh, I love. You can click on somebody doing that. You right click on their name at the top of the screen. You just go down to report. You select botting and you submit it. <laughs> Uh, I think yeah. it's like the first option too is botting because it it happens in every MMO and I think that it's never really played up how often it happens. But World of Warcraft that's that's one of the reasons they got into so much trouble a few years ago because they you remember that spyware thing they had going on it wasn't really spyware but it was this I can't remember what it was called it was like agent or something that they had uh, loaded into memory and it like it was a key checker. 
to make sure that you weren't running like not even a key checker. It would like check all your processes that were running at the time to look for World of Warcraft hacks. And that was one of the things it was looking for was like robot accounts. So what what's this uh, what's this World of Warcraft you're talking about? I'm not I'm not familiar. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's a <laughs> it was it was a phenomenon. It's all right. Um, <laughs> uh, McMaster, hey, that is so that is so 2011. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> now pandas are 2012, Tom. I thought you knew. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's their response to Guild Wars 2. Is hey, look, we have playable panda bears. That's adorable. Uh, uh, yeah, it's now the, the problem. I think everybody's going to have going forward. And the thing with Guild Wars 2, I think, that you hit on was um, there's so many ways to play the game. And they're all, yeah, I mean, you know, if you're going to have to adventure, of course. I mean, it's kind of the point of the game. But all the other parts of the game are also so rewarding that you don't have to just quest or grind experience all the time to advance. So it's pretty. And for instance, something we didn't get to talk about last week because it hadn't launched yet, but the trading post is now online, and that's uh, commonly referred to as an auction house, but that's a little bit, uh, it's not quite accurate because it's not an auction house so much as a commodities market. You do not post eBay style or World of Warcraft style individual auctions. You basically plug stuff into a pool. You can either designate that you are selling it at the, uh, I get confused here, either the highest. Buying price or the lowest, or you're matching the lowest selling price. At any rate, you can pick one of those two options, or if you really want to, you can set a custom price and and, and do it that way. Um, but it's this really fluid commodities market into which you pour resources or take them out as you want. Uh, and uh, I spoke a little bit with Eric Flanham, who I ran into at, at the Penny Arcade Expo, and he said their inspiration was clearly Eve Online which is yeah. a, sort of the, the quintessential player-driven economy in an MMO. EVE Online has been doing that forever. Uh, it's worked very well for them. And Eric Flanham, he's the lead designer on Guild Wars 2, said that was kind of their inspiration for what they're doing in, in Guild Wars 2. Uh, McMaster, have you availed yourself of the trading post at all? Some. Uh, I did throw a few items up there that were not really commodity level now yeah you're right though if like someone was to put the same item up there uh four or five times as i did it would certainly make this weird field or whatever uh of trade um but yeah it's it's pretty interesting uh if you're a crafter and you go onto the trading post and you look there are certain things that you know the supply has not met the demand and it will tell you so um and if you do that you're basically get instantly paid um, because there is already an order out for all of these things that uh, have not been filled, mm -hmm. uh, which is pretty cool. Um, so what is it like? Do you know? Because I, I can tell you one thing, McMaster. Nobody on the trading post wants uh, chocolate cherry cake. Yeah. You know, well, I know what that is. I mean, good Lord. It's it, like food crafting is pretty lucrative experience wise. So people so. are just buying up cheap commodities, making – it's sort of a, a supply. It's There's too much supply because people are oh. making food to get experience points. The exact same thing happens in World of Warcraft and just about every other uh, MMO's online auction house. Like uh, the components for crafting are always going to be a ton more expensive than the finished product uh, in most cases. Um, now, of course, you know there are cases where you're going to build something super special. It's hard to make, where it's going to be worth more. But uh, for the most part, yeah, anything, uh, anything that you see 
uh, on there, yeah, it has to either have a demand or supply for it. And uh, most of the time, people are making their own food. Now, have you looked enough to know what things are in demand? If somebody wanted to yeah. make a little money off of the trading post, what would he or she do? Oh, good Lord. Well, there, there's two – there's several ways to do it. But I think the easiest way is uh, low-level crafting materials. Always one of the most lucrative things to do. Now, it does take some time. Or uh, dyes. Uh, but it's you know, it's not so easy to make dyes. So, uh, yeah. Dyes have – one of the things that I really like about dyes – two things I like about dye is um, it is a – no homonym intended, dye roll, where yeah. you, you make a basic color of dye, and then it randomly decides what specific shade it is. Like, you make red dye, and then it decides, you know, is this going to be, like, I don't even know my reds, umber or ochre or violet. Like, it, it picks some weird shade that you've then made. And this is the same when you find dye. Like, you find a category of dye, and it gives you the specific one. That's one of the things I really like about dye. The other thing I really like about it is that it's not like, uh, in Diablo 3, for instance, I always try to have a taste color-coordinated character. And to do that, you have to buy individual vials, one for each piece of equipment you want to color. In Guild Wars 2, once you've unlocked a color, you can apply it freely to uh, any armor that you own. Uh, it's, it's unlocked always and forever and with no regard for, like, doses and whatnot. I think we talked a little bit about that last week. But, uh, yeah, so dyes are done differently. And, and McMaster, you are saying that dyes are making money on the trading post? Well, right, and for people aren't, that aren't familiar with the game, uh, it's going to sound weird, but you know how, well, maybe maybe not, I can probably explain it, you know how when you're playing a role-playing game, sometimes a gold isn't a big deal, and sometimes it is? Well, this one, gold is a big deal. That's a, that's a really high level of a coin for this game. Uh, so you're usually dealing in coppers and silvers and so the the, the dyes themselves go from like i've seen anywhere from 5 to 10 silver so that's pretty pretty lucrative right uh, i also i i've been shopping around on as i'm making my character build you know mcmaster you and i are pretty much at the same place in our guild wars 2 careers even yeah. though i've got oh two three levels on you maybe uh, we uh, we're at the point now where i'm starting to look at uh, specific kinds of builds I want. And they're really, they freely let you tinker with like your skill loadouts, and it's very generous in that regard. But where you start to, where it starts to ask you to really focus is on these runes and sigils. They're basically little modifiers uh, to your yeah. gear, and you can arrange them in sets. So for instance, I've been playing an engineer. Uh, I've been relying heavily on a flamethrower that does damage over time. And there's a way you can improve that damage over time, both in the degree of damage it does and the time that it lasts by using specific uh, little add-ons for your armor. And I've found plenty of piddly little ones of these, but when I get really serious, when I start to want to make a serious flamethrower engineer, I'm going to need to buy a few of these or craft a few of them or whatever I need to do. I'm going to be able to get these and, and put them in my armor. So I was looking at them on the trading post, and, and it occurred to me, oh, here's the money sink. You know, it's yep. not it's not buying a mount so I can move faster. It's not buying a speed upgrade like in Secret World. It is, you know, s specifically narrowly focusing my character build with some of these pieces of equipment. Uh, uh, I can one-up you on the money sink there. Uh-huh. The money sink to me, I believe, is the gold for gems, gems for gold market. And what do you get for that? Because I agree with you 110%, McMaster. What are you looking for? 
What are you looking for with uh, with this equation? All right. Well, in Guild Wars, uh, since it does not have a monthly fee, you uh, they have the option to have a real money store. So the way that works is you purchase the Now, real quick, Matt, I want to interrupt you because you say since they do not have a monthly fee, they have the option. Far be it from a game like oh. Secret, Secret World, for instance, subscription model and real money store. So, that, was, so. that was insulting. Yeah, that's like one of the things that I really disliked about that. Yep. That smacked of EA yeah, really, it, really badly. Exactly. So, yeah, sorry to cut you off, but I just want to oh, point out no. that, that no, plenty of game companies are not above charging a subscription fee and real money transactions. Guild Wars <laughs> 2, not one of those companies. You buy the game, you don't have to pay another cent, uh, but if you want, they let you pour money into it. So, McMaster, right. what? So I, I cut you off. You were talking about oh, the exchange yeah. of in-game money for basically this real-world currency of gems. What, right. what do you get for that? And just to say, too, I think that the reason they can get away with it in Guild Wars 2 is, is the no monthly fee, realistically. I think that they'll have a lot of goodwill in that way. Um, exactly. Uh, however, yes, uh, it go, you, you purchase these uh, gems, or you can purchase these gems with real-world money. And they have – it's almost uh, kind of a combination of what you see on Xbox Live kind of combined with League of Legends where there's these you can purchase these gems and they have like off numbered amounts of course so that it doesn't make you think it's real world, world money amounts 400 points is five dollars that seems like less but anyway uh, McMaster my uh, my analog for that and this is just dating me but I went uh, I don't know if they still do this way back when I went to a club med and when you buy drinks at a club med you you pay it for them in beads. So they, they have you right up, up front buy a certain number of beads, and then you completely lose track of how much real money, sure. or how much real money, how real world money they're worth, and you're just like drinking and throwing beads at them. And yeah, sure, have ten red beads. I don't care. Uh, give me yeah. a, a watered down mojito. That's <laughs> so. a, that's absolutely what it is. It's uh, it's the old switcheroo, uh, but. Uh, but whatever, they're not charging a monthly fee. Whatever. So, so what? So what do you? Yeah, what do you get with these gems? Why do they matter? Okay, well, these gems you get to purchase things like bank storage upgrades, more bag slots, more character slots, and any of the uh, just like extra stuff in the game. You can be purchased with gems. Now, on the good side, uh, you can actually purchase these gems with gold. Or you can sell your gems for gold, and it's it's once again kind of like a com uh, commodities uh, market. So when you go, it'll show like a five day high, five day low, what the current price is, and what the current trade is for gems or, or gold coins. So it's uh it's kind of cool that you know basically what it breaks down to is that if you don't want to pay the money for it at a later level, you know I think I, I priced it out another bank slot. Uh, yesterday was one gold and 15 silver or something like that mm -hmm. worth of gems. Um, I had uh, I had bought like a pack uh, of, of points uh, just to check it out, and uh, I bought a bank slot with that. And uh, before I realized you could do that, and I was like, "Wow, ah, that's pretty interesting." So uh, yeah, the uh, gems work in a cool and not unattainable prize level sort of way because you know if you see a game like this most of the time you're going to grind for about a million years before you can get a cupid doll 
And it, it does remind me of League of Legends, which you mentioned earlier, in that I yeah. feel this is a best-case scenario. You know, I, I, I am fundamentally predisposed to hate free-to-play, to hate that business model. But if they're going right. to do it, I feel that Guild Wars 2 and League of Legends are both best-case examples of how to do it without squandering that goodwill you get from players. Uh, I'm really happy with this. And I kind of feel like, you know, I mentioned the long-term money sink for me is getting runes uh, yeah. for my gear. But... It could also be additional bank slots, like or additional character slot. Uh, you know, those are all viable long-term money sinks as well, and I, I feel they're much more meaningful than a mount. You know, mounts are cute and stuff. Also, I have to say, McMaster, uh, how much money have you spent so far on the little pets? Uh, none, actually. What I did though is I bought the digital deluxe upgrade uh, just because I was, I was curious and. Uh, yeah, it's a. Uh, it came with one pet. I didn't. I haven't really looked at it. But the big thing that it came with, I thought was interesting, was two items that you use. One gives a thousand points to the guild money thing, and another gives like five thousand points to your honor for your single or like your uh, other PvP. Yeah. On world versus world, they're basically boosts and other tracks of the economy, kind of. But uh, those little pets, I, I think, are insidious. Like, I would love to. I mean, who doesn't want a little pet tagging along? And you can either buy a specific one, or I think you can buy little packs, uh, which will randomly have like one rare, two uncommon. So I've been oh. tempted to. You know, I'd love to have a little tabby cat follow me around in the game. Oh, there's another way to do that. What? Uh, you're not gonna like it though. No, I'll uh, do it. What? What? Tell me. Uh, do you have a Guild Wars 1 account? I do. Uh, if you link your account, and if you do certain things in Guild Wars 1, it unlocks certain levels of bonuses in Guild Wars 2, and level 9 is a tabby cat. I already played Guild Wars 1. I don't want to play that. I want to play Guild Wars 2, McMaster. Well, well you, can, I mean, you can link them, and maybe if you already have the achievements, it'll give you the points for it, because you get like a few points just for linking your account. All right, I'm so. on it. I will definitely do that. Yeah, I, I did that uh, a while back, and uh, it, it does this thing where it creates something called the Hall of Monuments. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, I know about that, yeah. Yeah, and so the Hall of Monuments is where all of your stuff from Guild Wars 1 and Guild Wars 2 show up, and you can go get rewards there, etc. Um, and you have, like, a little stone that you have to use to get to it in Guild Wars 2. Right, um, okay. You know, I wanted to ask you, uh, you mentioned earlier, you were talking about, like, you know, early choices during character build leading to a single-player storyline. What what did you choose? What, like, what, <laughs> because I'm curious, because uh, I know what I chose, and uh, I wonder how different all this stuff is. Uh, McMaster, I'm curious as well, because, frankly, I don't remember. I was in a mad <laughs> rush to make sure that I secured my name. Like, it's when the game first launched, and it, it you know, it was supposed to launch at 9 p.m. Pacific. It was supposed to launch at midnight Pacific on that, that Friday night, and they, a few days launched beforehand, yeah. Yeah, a few days beforehand, they said, you know what, we might bring it, the servers up a few hours early at 9 p.m., so you can reserve your name and get in a little playtime, and, and I didn't believe that for a second, but sure enough, at 9 p.m., I logged in, and it was running, so I was charging through all that stuff to just get into the game and hopefully secure a spot which i didn't need to do because it mostly ran fine starting at 9 p.m so yeah mcmaster i have no idea i don't know what i picked i think uh, as near as i can tell like i was trying to go for some like hard-ass battle hardened veteran char kind of thing I, I don't know what do you remember what you picked yeah well the reason i remember what i picked is because i made this character quite a while after 
Uh, ah, right, right. So, You're yeah, playing an alt. my second character, yeah. Uh, well, I wouldn't say an alt anymore It's uh, since I out-leveled my original. Um, but uh, I remember on her, it, it, the human choices are, uh, you have regrets, and one of them is, I never joined the circus, another one... <laughs> Uh, and another one is, uh, yeah, I, I never found my parents. And then the third one is, uh, I, ne- I, I never found out wh- what happened to my sister or how my sister died. And that's the one I chose. So that was definitely one of parts of my, uh, go, you know, whatever quest. Um, it's uh, actually a large part of my quest. And I remember, uh, that's really the, the only one I really remember though. Uh, but that, that certainly did play into it. Where can I go back, McMaster, and see what my answers were? I wonder. I wonder if there is a way to do that. Uh, one of the things I've noticed, and I have no idea what it does, but I've been following through with it, is you can pick, uh, what is it, something like charm, wit, brutality. Like a lot yeah. of times there are three, it's sort of like Mass Effect, where you pick th- different tones. Uh, and I have maxed out my Char's brutality stat, and I have no idea what I earned for that, but I, as far as I know, I didn't get an achievement, I didn't get a magic item, I didn't get a t-shirt. Uh, I feel like I've been ripped off for maxing out my brutality. Yeah, well, I mean, I I certainly have been very brutal as well, which is kind of funny. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's... I don't, I don't really get that yet. But there's so many things I don't particularly get so uh i don't know i'm still kind of working a lot of stuff out i know something you didn't get let's talk briefly about (sighs) ascalon catacombs explore mode okay you know what raid called dropped out i kept asking what i should pick what do you guys want to do and i just picked the one that had the most votes because if i'd picked yours it would have tied us and i have no idea what would have happened mcmaster you're like the guy who voted for nader in the uh, the Gore election. Nice work. I hope you're happy. So let's explain what happened. So Ascalon Catacombs, there are uh, dungeons in the game, and they're, yeah. uh, they're instances for five players. They're particularly difficult. You know, they're challenging. Uh, the first dungeon uh, is an option. You can go in at, at level 30. Uh, once you do it at level 30, once you sort of beat the dungeon, and there's some cool tactical challenges in there, some more frustrating than others, uh, but for the most part, I really liked what they did, uh, even the frustrating parts. Once you've beat a dungeon, it's called Story Mode, you can then, presumably five levels later, it's five levels more difficult, uh, you can then do it in what's called Explore Mode. And Explore Mode in any other MMO would just be you playing the dungeon over again, but the monsters have more hit points and do yeah. more damage. Guild Wars 2, not content to do that. If there's one thing, Guild Wars 2 never met new content that it didn't like. I mean, no, this game no is joke. It's insane. So when you go to explore mode and you're expecting, okay, I'm just going to do the same battles but with more hit points for in the monsters, no such thing happens. You go to completely new areas of the dungeon. You have completely new encounters. What's more, you get to pick, I don't know if it's this way with all the dungeons, but in the first dungeon, Ascalon Catacombs, all five party members vote for one of three, basically, branches, story branches. So we're playing, me and McMaster and some other folks from the guild, uh, the quarter to three guild, we're playing Ascalon Catacombs Explore mode, and we get to vote between, uh, what were they, McMaster? So there was there was a fight alongside some angry ghosts, and I, I voted for that because that sounds like, you know, uh, Aragorn with the Oathbreakers in Lord of the Rings. I was like, yeah, I want that one. 
Uh, what else did we get, McMaster? What were our other two things we could vote for? Oh, the one was about, and this is why I voted for it because mm-hmm. I thought it sounded cool. But okay. um, the the one uh, I voted for was find these like torches or sept- scepters. That's what it was. Scepters. Oh God, that sounds like the- something out of Zelda, McMaster. But it's to fight against the Howling King. That sounds like a mad undead king. That sounds pretty cool. I do like that. Okay, you got me there. But still, finding the pieces of the three broken pieces, bring oh, me the three broken right. pieces of the scepter. I well, mean, once I, once I thought about it, you know, afterwards, I was like, man, it would have been cool as shit to fight with some ghosts, though. And we needed them. I, we needed them alongside us, yeah. We really did, because that ended up not, that didn't, it just didn't end well. So the thing is, depending on what you pick, which of these three story beats you pick, at least in Ascalon Catacombs, uh, it seems like you get completely different uh, creatures, like uh, encounters. And, McMaster, why don't you describe for us the encounter that we ended up with, because you thought it would be a good idea to gather the broken pieces of a scepter. It's not just me. A ton of other people voted for it. (laughs) You know, McMaster, let me tell you where that line of defense didn't work, and that was at Nuremberg. Well, I, you know what's funny about that? I was looking at Monstein the other day, and uh, he uh, he got out of it pretty okay. You were looking at what the other day? Monstein, 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 Monstein. Oh, oh, I see. You you were playing off the Nuremberg thing. Yeah, yeah. So I, I don't know why I was looking him up the other day because I was like, I wonder if he died at that. And then I was like, Good lord, he died in his like seventies. So I, I didn't know I, if that. I didn't know if that was someone in our guild. Uh, <laughs> no, 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 not not Monstein. It would be cool if he was in our guild. He would probably lead our raids pretty well. We have just uh, Godwinned this podcast. Uh, yes. get, get us out of here, Sonic Master. Since you decided to uh, vote to gather the three pieces uh-huh. of scepter, why don't you explain to everyone what fate befell us in the Ascalon catacombs? Oh, you know, we were doing so good at first, too. Yes, we were. Uh, it, God, well, we hit that one room with the spiders, which was like being punched in the face. I'm actually pretty impressed we made it through that. But you know what? I felt like I saw that, and I was like, I know what we need to do. We need to do it, and we did it, and we beat it. Like, I liked that encounter. Uh, you know, the spider was webbing us. There was poison. And I think part of what got us through that, if I may say so, a uh, little humble brag, is that I I was like, okay, I'm going to get the – I'm going to use my special engineer thing that takes off negative effects. We kept getting poisoned oh, yeah, and webbed, yeah. so I just was throwing little elixirs to break people out of webs and to cure their poison. And I kind of feel like that was, I don't know about instrumental, but that contributed to us finally beating that encounter. So they, okay, here's what's happening. Here are the tools we have. I'm going to use this tool to help get us past this situation. And I felt like we beat it fair and square. That was awesome. Yeah, I also kind of feel, and I, I don't want anyone to take offense at this, but we have too damn many rangers every time we go on a, a party of somewhere. You know, I'm the thief, you're the engineer, you know, Hornbustle's usually the warrior or Caligula or whatever he is, and um, we always have like at least one ranger. Here's the thing. Rangers, you know what? You don't need to be a ranger. Everybody wants to have a pet. Everybody wants, like, oh, their pet little tiger or whatever. You don't need to be a ranger to do that. Just buy no. one of the little mini pets on the gym store, and you can have tagging along with you well, your little creature. Not only that, but, like, your the elite skills and the higher-level skills, a lot of them have kind of pet stuff in them. You know what? I love that because I've been playing with you, McMaster, and every now and then I just see <laughs> random thief. And, and the yeah. cool thing 
it shows the guild tag. And I'm, yeah. I, I, my first reaction is, who who named himself Thief? You know, who who got that name? And then I was like, oh, that's McMaster's pet. And sometimes I'll be playing alone, and my elite skill, because I'm a char, is to summon uh, a war band, because chars work in war bands. And that, and that brings up two chars. One is yeah. a melee char, and the other is a marksman. Uh, and they have their little, it just says, like, char marksman it has it whatever it's called and then it has the guild tag so a lot of times i'll be in a big battle and i'll just pop off that elite skill and i'll be fighting and then i'll see out of the you know i'll catch the name floating over a mass of characters fighting and i'll think oh there's one of my guild mates and they're like oh no no that's the guy i just summoned (laughs) you know the other thing that that does it's so hilarious to me is in world versus world is it makes you look like a much more (laughs) horrifying target if there's like more of you, you know, <laughs> you can swell your ranks exactly. Uh, yeah, yeah, and that that makes a big difference because I know I've I've changed my mind after looking at a group and turned around. Many times you'll be fighting like, uh, is it the mesmers that have their illusion? Yeah. Uh, yeah, you'll be fighting. You'll you'll be like, oh geez, there's like six of them, and no, it's a mesmer and, and his buddy. Yeah, <laughs> they're so irritating those damn mesmers. Um, All right, so tell us about, so we choose to get the three scepters because that's what you, Jason T. McMaster, really want to do in Guild Wars uh, Dungeons is gather scepter pieces. Where did it lead us? Well, it led us straight into hell. Uh, We had to guard the NPC we were with while he was researching stuff in the library, and then these, are they called deadlings or dreadlings? Is it dredgling? Is that it? Dredgling, I think. Uh, dredgelings have these like mounds, and they they Gravelings. like gravelings. Gravelings, because dredgelings are like these little mechanical miner dudes. Gravelings that's... are like lizard, underground lizardy kind of things. Yeah, right. Yeah. So the gravelings have these mounds that they spawn from, and there are different types of gravelings. One's called a graveling breeder, which just like produces tons of little gravelings, uh, and that's awful. But you have to uh, cover this guy uh, and destroy these different mounds, and. Uh, Every time we tried it, we would get maybe two in. I think we downed three one time, and uh, there's six total. And it just, uh, yeah, we couldn't, we couldn't do it. We couldn't keep him alive and ourselves alive at the same time. It was a difficult encounter, and the thing is, you might play it, and you might end up throwing in the towel, thinking, "Well, I'm just under leveled for this. I can't do it." But the trick here is that. You, you're just like when you're traveling around the world, your level is adjusted mm-hmm. to the area you're in. So it's not really a matter of thinking, I'm going to go grind out some levels and then come back and easily beat it. You can't just brute force your way through these encounters. And I really respect that. As frustrating as it was that we couldn't beat it, I kind of feel like... It's fair and square because this is supposed to be the really difficult tactical challenge. You really, just like with that spider, you have to adjust what tools you're using, who you're doing it with. Um, I mean, we had a good group and we were communicating well, but I feel whatever was going on, we just didn't have... Maybe we had too many rangers. Maybe, you know what, McMaster, maybe I was the weak point. Who knows? But I sort of feel like uh, it's not something we can brute force our way through. It's something that you have to beat smartly rather than just through leveling. And I, well, I appreciate that. The the no rangers thing isn't really a burn on rangers. It's just we need more casters, I think, in our guild. We've got, like, everybody's, like, melee. <laughs> Yeah, and so that's like in, in this situation. Or alternatively, we could do it again and elect not to track down the three pieces of the scepter right. of blah, blah, blah. I'm you very willing to do that. I'm very willing to not go try to get that scepter again. Yeah, I mean, maybe if we had an army of ghosts with us, uh, you know, who doesn't want yeah. that? Yeah, that, 
That does sound a lot cooler. I don't even remember what the other option was, but it wasn't a Howling King or an Army of Ghosts, so I didn't really pay much attention. Right, right. And and we later heard, I don't know if this is true, but just in talking on Guild Chat, that that is supposedly one of the more difficult choices to make, that some of the choices are more difficult than others, and we had just set ourselves up for the really difficult choice. Uh, I mean, that dungeon's tough in the first place. Yes. I mean, that is like, a, it's a tough one. I mean, I didn't get to do much from a level uh, of the level 41 because for some reason we it, like glitched out on us last night uh, or something i don't know what happened uh but i i was stuck to an instance that had screwed up and everybody else could go into another one but mine uh, i couldn't go so i i actually did that because i needed you to go out and gather me more onions so yeah, I, I think that was yeah. I, I, that's what I thought it was. So I went and got a bunch of onions, and uh, I put a bunch of food in the guild bank. Yeah, no. um, they. Uh, but uh, from what I understand, the level thirty dungeon is much harder than the level forty dungeon. Right. It is sort of a baptism by fire. It's as as someone I think in our guild said. Maybe this was Hornbossel. As someone said, uh, it's it's a disincentive to like it, it's a it's a, a filter. You know, if you're not serious about the dungeons, don't even try. If you can't get past this first one, you, dungeons aren't for you. Just ask. yeah, it's God. That fight is such a nightmare. And I, yeah, I understand it better now and everything. But good lord. So here's, though, what really has me intrigued about the, the dungeons is that each dungeon has its own currency. You get you know, badges or marks or tokens or whatever specific to beating that dungeon, which you can then spend at vendors specific to each dungeon in Lion's Arch. So you know, I want to go through that in story mode. I want to earn those badges or whatever, and I want to see what, what unique gear I can buy uh, from, from beating each dungeon. So I'm bound to determine to try this again. I just don't want to gather three pieces of a scepter. Oh, yeah, no, I totally want to do that, too. Um, but somebody's got a little shoot club. Somebody what? I didn't miss I missed that. Uh, somebody's got a shoot club, I think, tonight. Oh, oh you're making a reference. Okay. So, uh, yeah, yeah, so I uh, will not be playing tonight. But uh, So, uh, McMaster, let's talk a bit about a little World v. World. We've done some of that. Uh, yes. That... Uh, you you were a little iffy about it when we last did the podcast. You're worried about some of the travel times. Uh, how are you feeling about World v. World these days? Uh, I, had, I What I was not aware of at the time was that um, at least my class, the thief, the best, has a uh, plus 25% run speed uh, signet that you get. Uh, like uh, You can get it probably in your mid-20s. Uh, that makes a huge difference. Now, what's the? I don't. I haven't played a thief. What is a signet? What does that mean? Uh, a signet is a skill that you put in a slot that you can activate, but it always has a something going on. So it's like a, a buff, a constant buff until you activate it, and then you know. It, so it just takes up one of your slots in exchange for a buff. Okay, good. Right, right. I run with a. Depending on what I'm doing, I run with three of them or less. But I, I usually keep the run speed one on because in PvP. It's very important to be able to catch and get away from people. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, And that makes a huge deal. Um, I can't remember what to call it, the sig- which signet it is. I can see it. I just don't remember the name. Um, but it increases your run speed 25%. And also, uh, if you activate it, it um, and that's just constant, 25%. So that's, uh, uh, but if you activate it, it blinds your target so that their next attack misses. So it's, it's kind of a cool... Uh, now, McMaster, how is that going to help you if I shoot out of my rifle a net? 
that that traps you in place, and then I just come over and kill you. Ha ha. Because you'll miss with your stupid net, I guess. I, <laughs> I mean, I really like the uh, the interactivity of the combat with the dodge. Like, if you die, like I will find that I will do that little. It's a basically, I think, what you call in MMO terms a root or a stun. Uh, I will yeah. shoot that net at someone just as I see their little dodge animation and it misses. Like, I really like how. This isn't just a, a game about pressing buttons and waiting for cooldowns. I mean, there's there's a lot of interactivity in terms of what's going on and when it's going on. Right, and I think that's kind of a big misunderstanding people have. Like, I, I didn't really understand it that well myself until I started getting up in level, because you don't see it at low levels. Because um, you really just don't have everything you're going to be working with, or even close to it. So, um, I'll but say there's... It. It reminds me real quick, because that's an important point, Master. Uh, it reminds me a bit of people who play Diablo, kill Diablo, you know, they get their guy to, like, level 25 okay. or whatever, and they only basically see that, that base layer of skills. You know, you start folding in better skills, more options, more tactical challenges when you right. replay Diablo. So it kind of feels the same with Guild Wars, is that if, if you think you've seen this game in the first like 10, 12, 15 levels of one character, you have not. I mean, there's so much more that this it's game huge. reveals over time. Yeah, um, it's, uh, it's really huge, is what keeps shocking me about the game. I discover new things every day, and I've been playing it for two weeks now, so it's, I mean, it's pretty crazy. Um, Pretty constantly for two weeks, too. Uh, but, the, yeah, there's so many things about it. And the combat, and uh, Tom and I were experienced. We figured this out last night, even though Tom did not want to learn anything. He didn't want to learn. That's the Wait type. a minute. Where what, are you what going was, with this? <laughs> where was the, uh, what was the, is like real men don't read wikis or something like that? Oh, right. Like you, were that? Trying, yeah. you were trying to show me some wiki entry about where where strawberries were or something? What no, no, no. It's uh, the combat. Uh, the the combos the uh, the, the oh combat, yeah yeah combo thing. that's right we figured that out that was awesome yeah. but you know what was awesome McMaster is is figuring it out you and I rather than reading about it on a wiki so yeah describe that because that was that was delightful um, so I uh, well I did read the wiki to be fair so I had a little bit of advanced knowledge but I I kept uh, seeing this argument that it's just kind of standard MMO combat and I started thinking I I thought there was something different about it so I started reading up on what's happening and guild wars uses this system of combos um where and i don't know this is probably going to be a simplistic version of it because i don't really know all the nuances yet but you lay out a certain effect field for instance i have a poison cloud and depending on what kind of uh ability you use certain abilities are marked as um combo finishers as certain ones are combo fields etc uh whatever ability you use that goes through that field might add, like, for instance, uh, I have a poison field. If Tom shoots his gun through it, it can poison whatever it hits. The idea is that the bullet picks up poison while traveling through the fields and then applies it to the target at the other end of the field, right? Right, but there's a ton of different finishers that have a bunch of different things. Like, And I've seen some that I haven't been able to replicate yet that I thought were really cool. Like this one where uh, the, this guy kind of does a bunch of rolls through a poison field, and it makes like a poison wall following behind him. I thought that was really neat. Um, stuff like that. Um, but it, it just applies different status effects depending on the type of finisher you have and the type of uh, field that you have laid out as well. And I think a lot of the idea behind that, McMaster, is that it encourages these kind of synergies between different characters' powers. 
um, right. that you wouldn't otherwise get. Like, like, there's no Holy Trinity, there's no, you know, tank and healer and DPS traditional structure. But I think there can be structures with laying out a wall of fire and shooting through it. Or like you mentioned, yeah. the guy dragging a trail of poison by going through a, a cloud. Like, there's a lot of stuff here. And so you and I last night sat down and figured out Oh, you know, this is how the game represents it. You know, we, we get a little word that flashes over our head, you know, burning. When when you right. are availing yourself of my firewall, the game tells us. Like, it's telling us that stuff. And that was right. so cool to discover that. And since then, McMaster, I have definitely been, even though I know other people don't know it works, I've been, like, laying down that wall of fire to where I know... That people keep through it. Exactly, and that's yeah. so gratifying that even if people don't know that's happening, that I'm, like, sort of setting that up. And I love that. That centaur war that I was doing, I kept, like, laying down a field of fire between this boss that everybody was shooting at, and I was kind of trying to figure out where the most people attacking him from. And there's this great positional tactics that, that come into play when you start to appreciate this stuff. Uh, yeah, which I thought it was great because uh, one of my main abilities as my thief, I've been using shortbow a lot because the shortbow has awesome utility for a thief. Um, in fact, it it almost seems unfair. Uh, but one of the abilities is a poison cloud. Uh, and if you drop that poison cloud on a certain area, then anybody in it or shooting through it uh, affects poison on whatever they're attacking. So in a boss fight or like an, an open world boss fight like you're talking about, I'll drop a poison cloud on the boss pretty consistently because everybody that hits it applies a stack of poison. So it just yeah it really makes a big difference. And one of the things that I love, McMaster, and we figured this out based on how the game tells you these things are happening, is that if I drop my firewall and you shoot through it, I have a character build based on doing damage over time, based on the fact that I'm using a flamethrower, that I want my, my damage over time to last longer and do more damage. Right. If you shoot through my firewall, my bonuses apply to the damage you're inflicting with, with the flames, I think. Like, I think oh, it huh. takes into account the fact that my fire is better than somebody else's fire. So uh, it's like uh, combining, yeah, because you would have, like, uh, extended duration or something like that, or uh, condition duration. Yeah, that's what I'm doing yeah. with my, my trait lines is I'm focusing ex almost exclusively on just uh, additional duration for what are called conditions, in this case, the damage over time. Yeah, yeah. I will say that engineers uh, with flamethrowers, that is pretty badass. That is one reason that I kind of wanted to play an engineer as the flamethrower. You know, you mentioned your, your thief's short bow and feeling like it's not fair. Like, I kind of feel, and how that's, like, overpowered and it's a little unfair, I kind of feel that way about everything my engineer can do. And I think it's the mark of a good game when you kind of look at a power you have and think, wow, it, how could you not play with this? <laughs> I kind of feel that well, way about a lot yeah. of stuff with my engineer. And that's, see, the thing I mean by the thief stuff is, like, the short bow has that poison cloud, of course, but the one that really makes me the giddiest is it has an arrow that you can shoot and where the arrow lands you teleport to what that's overpowered see <laughs> so like it doesn't have a huge range but it can be either used like say in world versus world i can in theory you know shoot my way i guess onto a wall if i could get up above it you know that kind of thing so like or i use it as an escape move a yeah lot of yeah so, like, so, i grab it start shooting it and just like bouncing back and forth as far as i can so. right yeah, and the thief uh, thief attacks don't have cooldown well so, that's uh, impossible what are you talking yeah, about every attack has a cooldown it's all initiative-based. So, like, I have initiative points that I can control how fast they build up and get bonuses to, but, yeah, there are no cooldowns. How do you get initiative points? 
they just uh, they're on a build up timer, and that you start with like ten. Uh, that's what the F one for the thief is. Um, is that if I hit if I'm targeting you and I hit F one, I teleport to you and steal something. And if I hit F one again, I use the item I stole from you to damage you. So it's like it's kind of like a random thing. Like I, I remember that, you. yeah, yeah. So like, if you ever see me in combat, it's like sometimes I'll throw this like I don't know, like poison everywhere. Sometimes I'll do like this weird spinning move. Sometimes I'll, you know, do this or that, and it all just depends on what my random steel roll got from the enemy. Um, That's right. I, I do remember fiddling with the thief a little bit in the beta, and how how that was this great wild card. You know, what yeah. are you going to get? What power are you going to draw from this from stealing? Nice. And, nice. and so yeah, with the arrow thing. I can shoot it twice before I have to wait a second. So, yeah, I can just kind of bounce really fast to get away. And uh, there's, like, a bunch of thief abilities that, like, let you teleport. So now, it's pretty cool. let me ask you about this, McMaster. I'm, I'm assuming that the trait system is the same, mechanically speaking, for each class, in that you put your traits into one of five or six different lines of development and then at every five points at five oh, yeah, 10, yeah. 15 you then get to pick from this crazy number of variable bonuses it's every 10 and 20 for me so far oh no no you're right yeah, yeah and every, it's just like you get a cool one every five but, but you it's get the like a big it's, choice on the 10. right it's the ones that are divisible by tens where you have to make difficult choices yeah so right uh, what, like, for instance, I've noticed crazy things in there, like, that let me drop bombs when I dodge, or okay. that, I mean, it's just, you can, there's just so much stuff you can tailor there uh, to your character build, even after, I believe you can freely change those whenever you want. Uh, yes. Like, even after you've spent the points, you still have some flexibility in terms of, like, how you it's just not, use that tree. It's not free, but every time you purchase a manual and use it, it resets your points. So if you buy the ten silver manual, nope. you can also no, no. What? I mean that. I mean the 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 thing that you get at oh, the oh, oh, oh. Yeah, yeah, I got at the ten point level. When you get ten, when you get twenty, mm-hmm. you've got a little basically a drop down menu where you can select from a whole variety of special powers, and you it's, can change those freely whenever you want. You right, can't. That's, you, that's correct. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I love that. Like I just that sort of flexibility. And There's it's a little also a lot mm-hmm. more at levels. 20 than there is a 10 to choose from and some of them are just like extensions of the the other powers and some of them are new powers right right yeah like do you focus on on, like for instance i've got uh, on my firearms one uh i can increase the range of my rifle and then again that's at the 10 at the 20 i can increase it even farther so and, and that's like one of those crazy things like how could you not Take that. I mean, I guess if I if I wanted to really have this awesome standoff build, like in WVW World v World, where I don't want to get mixed up in stuff, and I want to maybe use my elixir gun to tranquilize people, like that's a build I'm thinking of. It's okay, use that yeah. elixir gun, and then get that special standoff range so that I don't get you know, you know ganked by a thief like you from from the other team. Um, yeah, I mean that's the, it's the, just like uh, that was the same strategy I always used with my hunter in World of Warcraft was uh, I always like the longest range possible in PvP. Your hunter in what? I'm not familiar. What's that thing? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Panda game. <laughs> Panda um, game. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, no, it's uh, th- those things are really cool. The the traits and the skills themselves are pretty cool too. Uh, there's a lot of wiggle room there. Um, having to buy five uh, five and then. I guess your elite skill, you have to only buy two of those before you go to the 
face-punchingly expensive ones at the end. <laughs> uh, so uh, what, are, what are the alts that you've left behind? You had a warrior, right? Your warrior. Yes, he's level 23, um, and that's why I'm not Chris level 7 million horn bossel. Um, so this explains for me, McMaster, why uh, one of the things that you can look at when you mouse over uh, a friend's account, or, or anybody's account, I think, uh, is that you see how many achievement points they have uh, yes. Oh, you noticed that, did you? I wasn't going to say anything, but oh, you, I know. You I bet knew. I noticed. Yeah, so that's, <laughs> McMaster, you're, you've got about, I think, a 30, 40-point lead or something on me, and I was wondering yeah. how that happened when I'm higher level than you. Uh, yes, because yes, I've played, I've played, what, 64 levels worth of character. <laughs> And these all tie into like their daily achievements, their monster right. killing achievements. I mean, again, it's just a best case ex- example of how to do an achievement system. It almost seems unfair too, because everything on your account is shared with all of your characters, so it's not like you really have to do all that fidgeting, sending stuff back and forth. Um, what do you mean, everything on your account is always your shared? bank is shared between your characters like your crafting materials are shared between all of your characters so if i cra- if i gather something on my warrior bill paxton deuce and i want to use it on my uh thief hottie kudarati then uh which i'll explain that in a moment uh then i can just deposit it in the collectibles log on as her and it's in there i don't have to mail it to her i don't have to you know what i mean that's nice because I've definitely found items that where I've thought, oh, I should use this in an alt, right? Uh, and I just, and drop, just drop it in the bank. It's there. Yeah, if you put it in the bank, um, yeah, it's there for them. Um, you share like and your like the nice thing, the thing I liked was the collectibles that you just share your entire collectibles stash. So that's pretty sweet. Right. Right. Uh, all right. So McMaster. Uh, a lot of Guild Wars two. Uh, does this mean that you will not be playing? Nahul 13. That does mean that. Um, I'm actually kind of worried about uh, Borderlands 2 at this point. Uh, If I'm still playing like this, I don't know if I'm... Well, I'll probably get it. Guild Wars 2 definitely does have that one of that that kind of last game you'll ever play feel. Like, I kind of feel like... Yeah. You know what? I could be on a desert island, and as long as it has an internet connection to a Guild Wars server, I, I think I'd be okay with that. I, I will say this for Guild Wars 2. I have not felt this way about a game since I've played World of Warcraft, an MMO, like, for the first time. So it's got a lot of magic to it, there's no doubt. It does make you wonder, like, uh, yeah, so when Borderlands rolls around, when uh, Torchlight 2, by the way, they've announced their release date, uh, like, am I going to feel like doing another long-term RPG, or am I just going to still be playing Guild Wars? Who knows? Yeah. Uh, I did, so McMaster, I was at uh, at Penny Arcade recently, and uh, there would be times where I was just, like, back in my hotel room for a little bit, like, waiting on a scheduled thing or something, and I I just wanted to boot up something for a bit. Uh, And so... This was kind of odd. I found myself booting up Diablo 3 to, <laughs> to level up a character in hardcore. Like, not necessarily to play long-term. And I've, so I have been playing a little bit. Like, for instance, the Guild Wars surfers went down for their 20-minute their uh, maintenance last night. <laughs> the, what a joke. 20 minutes. Yeah. Which was actually 20 minutes. And so sitting there for 20 minutes thinking, well, I, I was going to play Guild Wars 2. What am I going to do for 20 minutes? Oh, I know. I'll just make a little progress with my, my hardcore Diablo 3 character. Uh, so I have been playing a little bit of Diablo 3 on hardcore. And it occurs to me, 
playing Diablo 3 at this point is a bit like playing a Monster Hunter game in that I just get in and I'm sort of running around the levels looking for like those elite roaming packs uh, to see what they drop. And because it's hardcore, being very careful not not to die. I've lost a few hardcore characters, and that's fine. That's part of the experience. Um, but so I, I have been seeing another action RPG on the side a little bit. Oh, well, I, I mean, I still play Bug Princess too. So, so. right. Yeah. What, how are the drops treating you in that game? Oh, I'm not getting some really good uh, <laughs> drops in Bug Princess. Yeah. You got it. You got to gear up to get those high scores in a shmup like Bug Princess. God, it's a uh, it's maniac mode. It's uh, intense. Uh, I, I also okay. So here's one of the best uses I've gotten out of my iPad lately, and I I kind of feel bad admitting this. You know what? Well, no, okay, I'll confess. So in Guild Wars 2, I had been as a cook. It, it encourages you to sort of experiment with different recipes, and I was fine doing that. And you experiment with different components, and you find out you know how to make chocolate cake or how to make pepper steak or how to make a stir fry, things like that. It's, it's it's kind of cute, but because of the way the inventory is arranged, it's really difficult to load enough stuff into all your bags and then try different combinations, and it's a huge pain in the butt. And I feel it needs some work. So what I finally did, and I feel really dirty for this, is I got my iPad. I called up the crafting wiki, and I just looked up recipes at my level. I bought the ingredients on the trading post, and I was just like, screw it. I'm going to basically cheat, you know, look things up on the wiki and just buy what I need from the trading post and level up my cooking skill. So, And I used my iPad. My iPad was an accomplice in, in that because I just held it there next to me in the computer. Uh, yeah. Do, do, you, do you think less of me for that, McMaster? Well, after all the guff about real men not using wikis and stuff, yeah, maybe. Uh, no, nah, I'll let you slide. Okay, because you. <laughs> I, I don't think. Yeah, I don't think I'm on any high moral ground about wikis anymore. No, <laughs> no, no. Yeah. Uh, all right, so uh, that's this week's podcast. Uh, actually, I imagine there's probably gonna be more of this next week. There might be. Yeah. There might be. But you know what? It's it's you know it's the calm before the uh, holiday season storm. So that's just how this works. You get something awesome like Guild Wars Two, you uh, sink your teeth into it, and you don't let go for a while. So yeah, yeah. yeah and then then Christmas comes along, and everything goes crazy. And by that time, maybe there will be some sort of a like DLC or expansion or something for Guild Wars Two. Here's what I, so McMaster. Here's what I want in Guild Wars Two add-on. And if you if you're working uh, in ArenaNet and you're listening. Here's my formal request. I want a playable Skrit and Quaggin. That'd be nice, yeah. I uh, I believe I chose to explore the Skrit recently because those guys are awesome. They really kind of are, aren't they? They're a little radical. Yeah. And yeah, they're, the Quaggins are better. Like I, I prefer the Quaggins. I want playable Quaggins, unlike some people. I love the underwater stuff. Uh, I kind of like the Quaggins. It's pretty cool. It is pretty cool, and it's it's kind of cute when the quaggins <laughs> crawl out of the water and waddle around. I, I'm uh, I'm a little taken by them. Uh, so I yeah. want to be able, if you can be a, a goofy panda bear in World of Warcraft, I demand quaggins in uh, Guild Wars 2. Yeah, so, I don't see why not. Um, yeah, no, I, I can't think of too many things I would want to see in DLC right now other than, you know, just more content for down the road. Uh, so maybe lower-level dungeons might be nice. I mean, maybe a level 20. I mean, I, you know, not that I care that much at this point with my character, but uh, something to give people something to do. 
Uh, it, it feels like the dungeon, like I, I kind of am with you there, but I just wonder at level 20, like, are you truly ready? Do you have the spread of skills and tools yet? Uh, and plus, in a way, like, you're doing, like, the, these. some of the dynamic events are sort of dungeon-esque. You know? Well, sure, yeah, and, and that's really, that's one of the, the most fascinating things about the game is the fact that it... The dynamic there isn't there is a quest there are quests and there there is a quest log uh, but it's it's so not really there uh, you only really track one quest at a time uh, and uh, yeah so the, those events take places take the place of quests and yeah it just yeah I mean it, it definitely moves you through an area somewhat but there. They're really interesting. All right, McMaster, you're going to have to put in a different formal request for the expansion or DLC. Sorry, that uh, a dungeon at level 20 won't cut it. What else do you got for us? Uh, all right, how about how about a, a new class? What would that class be? Onion picker. And McMaster, I'm going to need you to play the onion picker. I need you to roll an okay. onion picker alt, level it up, and just make sure to keep me stocked uh, in onions for my cooking. I'll have 18 double O onion finding. What? what are you doing crossing crossing the D and D and Guild Wars streams, McMaster? Because Double O just uh, that just says it, you know. <laughs> girdle of onion giant finding strength, I guess. All right, get on that, and also uh, make sure to occasionally. I, I want you to sort of have a subclass in Strawberry Gathering as well. Oh, I need some well, of those as well. Well, there's some at the bank right now. I just saw some. All right. Uh, so uh, join us next week for maybe more Guild Wars talk. Maybe not. We'll see if we've moved on uh, or not. Uh, I am Tom Chick, and I've been joined by Jason McMaster, and we will see everyone next week. Danger, danger, I've heard it, when we touch, when we kiss, when we touch, when we kiss.